Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. And uh, we thought before we start to look ahead at what there is, we really just need to work out what are the things that matter most to us. And so we, we went through a, a year-long process of workshopping, praying and discerning our RBC values. And here's what we came up with. Here's the five that we landed on in the end. And it's Jesus-centred. And we said that the first thing that we're on about as a church, what matters most to us is that Jesus is front and centre in who, who we are and what we do. That Jesus is the one that we follow and the centre of who we are and all that we do. Our second value was that of authentic community, where we want to make sure that there is a home for everyone here. We want to make sure that it doesn't matter where you come from, what background you are from, you can find your home here at RBC. And then we, of course, in an authentic community, there's not just, we're not just um, open at the fringes for anyone. As we get to the middle, though, there are certain calls on our life as a disciple of Jesus. And so there's certain things that it's important that we uh, encourage one another on, we're accountable to other people on as well. So that all goes into this idea of authentic community. The third one was everyone living God's mission. We are all on about living God's mission to make disciples and to renew the world. It's not just paid staff, it's all of us. We are all on God's mission and being called by him. The fourth one was out of adventurous faith, that we live out a spirit-led, adventurous faith, trusting that God has more for us. And out of that kind of is where we've come with this idea around our strategic roadmap, around looking forward and saying that God has more for us. And then our fifth value that matters most to us is that of being grateful and generous, that we respond to God's generosity to us, we respond to God's goodness to us with gratefulness, with humility and with generosity. And so you'll find those just on the top, uh, the top right-hand corner uh, of, the, uh, of the roadmap. But then that was 2022. Last year, uh, we embarked on, our, uh, on another church-wide discernment uh, process and through lots of prayer, through engagement at family chat nights, engagement through uh, at elders, uh, uh, members' meetings and all sorts, we, we, and survey that went out to everyone and many, many, many people uh, fed back into that. And so we came up and we've landed on our strategic roadmap, which is... Uh, to help us, kind of lead us to, as we think through 2030 and all that God would have for us as a, as a church. Now, you might be thinking there going, Dan, I can't even think through March, uh, let alone 2030. And it is a long way, it is a long way away, but surprisingly how quickly it will come and we really just feel we need to have something that will help just to chart the course forward. And so that's what, uh, that's what this is. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, going into this today because we will have opportunities 
opportunities over this year and in the coming years uh, to be able to engage with this further. Later on this year, I'm going to take time, well, we'll take time uh, to spend five weeks and we'll teach through this as well because these aren't just ideas. These are grounded in biblical truths as well, which is, which is wonderful. So we'll have some time to be able to work our way through those. But what I wanted to just to do was just to highlight them uh, for you, just to take a moment uh, just to share on them just really, really briefly. And so I think we've got them on the screen, if we can there, Jack. Just go through to our five. So the, the first one is this, multiply. Disciples that multiply. And I think my belief is this, that out of all the ones that are on here, I think they all matter, that's why they're all there, but this one here is a real critical one, not just for our church, but for the church. Actually, how do we make disciples? How do we make disciples who know what it means to be with Jesus so they can, they can long and know actually what does it look like to, to sit with him, to learn from him, to become like him, and then to live out what he's calling us to do, to live out his ways, his words, and his works in our life. Not just to come and to sit and to consume, but to actually live out a our apprenticeship to Jesus every day in every way. And so this is really important for us. This is all about, and we've spoken about this before, imitation. How is it that we can live a life that other people can follow as well? How is it that we can live a life that's worth imitating? And so, But not just so that we can be uh, disciples who grow, but that we can be disciples that multiply our faith, multiply our life and can share our faith confidently and humbly. Who knows that our world needs both of those things? For followers of Jesus and disciples to share confidently but also humbly. Another one there is deepen community because we don't just make disciples uh, in isolation. What is needed for effective making of disciples is actually a community, a community that is deep, a community where they're People can encourage one another towards growth, where people can feel at home and where we can encourage each other to contribute our gifts. And so one of the things that we'll look to lean into is to helping each of us here and those online to understand how is it that God has gifted me? Where is it that I can, my spiritual gifts, and how is it that I can use those for God's people here at RBC and for our wider community? The third one is enrich. And I was so pleased as, as your pastor to see this come up countless times in all of the workshops uh, to come up so strongly in the survey to say that we don't want to just be a church that is on about looking after uh, those who are in this wall and who have it all together as such, even though we know that is not true, none of us do. But actually, how do we actually engage with those on the margins how do we actually reach out as a church and walk alongside those people who are doing life tough? And that's what this one is all about. And I am so pleased for that because that is the heart of Jesus, right? That is the Luke 4 mandate that Jesus has for us, to be a people who can be part of seeing lives changed, seeing lives changed and restored. The whole person, physical, spiritual, emotional, cognitive, the whole lot. And that's what Enrich uh, Focus is all about. Then the other one there is seed, planting new faith communities. You know, I'm really, really excited about this one. Uh, this is one 
This is one that matters. And as a church, in one way, this is new for us because we want to look and see, okay, over this next five to six years, what does God have for us? And we want to actively seek him and we want to see where he's leading us. But this is something that's, while that'll be new, it's also not that new for us. Um, we've planted already uh, a number of different languages other than English services. There's a Korean church that's meeting over right now as we meet here. 1.30 today, a Chinese church will be meeting here. Of course, at 10.30 in about seven minutes, the uh, Broadview campus will be starting down at Broadview. So this is not actually new for us. But we do want to put it out there because this is something that we believe God has for us as we look into the next seven years. Here's an interesting thing. Some recent research came out from NCLS and it said that uh, out of... Let me just make sure I get this, um, make sure I get this right because I was convicted by it. But it said that... Um, showed that only 2% of Aussie churches, that's approximately 200 churches, plant a new church in, a, in any year. So what that says is that there is not a lot, actually, of church planning and church renewal that is going on or revitalisation. And even in our Baptist movement, we're around about 100 or so churches uh, now in our Baptist movement, now that we also have uh, the Northern Territory involved, and we're not even averaging one new plant per year across our movement. You know, and my feel is that we can do more than that as a movement, but we can do more than that you know, as a church. And so we want to be discerning, sensing from God what he's doing. We can't move any further than God would have us, but our best sense of what God's doing is he wants us to pursue this. He wants us to seek what might be there next for us. Here's a little interesting thing for you that you might not, might not know, but we planted Broadview back in 2017 or 18, and do you know now we sent 40 people along to that community. It's now around about 120-odd people who are down there now. There's now three staff on board and God has regenerated those 30 or 40 people back and they're in this community here now. That's been over the last seven years. That's just what God's done and that's just what God is doing and what he will do. And so we can continue to trust him as we seek to seed new faith communities. And then the last one is enable. Enable, we want to make sure that we have sufficient facilities, finances and leaders to enable a vibrant future for RBC and for our broader movement. And I love this one because this again came through really, really clearly. That we want to make sure that we've got leaders, facilities and resources for here, but we don't want to just be a blessing for here. We want to be a blessing further for our movement and for our community. And Mike just alluded today, it's great that today Mike Harris begins his first day as lead pastor down at All Nations. That's just one example of a, of a, of a number of things that we've able to, over the years, we've been able to be as a church, to raise up, to equip and to empower new leaders across our movement. So just wanted to share that with you today. That went way longer than I was going to do, I know, um, but that's just kind of what happens when you kind of get excited about what God is doing. And I do want to encourage you uh, to have some time and to read it. There is a little QR code there. You can go and look more and I put a whole range of little statistics and all sorts of other things on the full document. And for those that are interested, you can follow that QR code and you'll find that. But I encourage you to this. Pray about all these. Consider how it is that you might be able to be engaged and how God might be calling you into that. And life groups, please spend some time praying about uh, the, these focus areas and for RBC into this next uh, period of our, our life as a church. 
Uh, just one other thing uh, to look at before we, we do get into our preaching. Um, earlier this week, uh, Craig, uh, our chair, he sent out a, uh, an update, an elders update, elders quarterly update. It went out via email to everyone who is subscribed to us. So if you're not, as a good reminder, be subscribed, sign up. Uh, if you haven't read this, please do. Just take a moment to read it. It won't take long. It's only a couple of pages. But it's encouraging to see all the ways that God has been at work among us over the last three months. But one of the challenges and opportunities that were highlighted in the update and that is before us as our church family is just in, our, in the area of our giving and our finances. And I just wanted to take a moment just to talk about that really just briefly today. Again, if this is your first time here, we don't kind of do this every week, okay? But we do just want to take a little time, kind of like if you're at home and you're sitting around your table and you're talking about your finances with your partner or with your kids, just a little family chat, really, just around our, our giving. Firstly, let me just say this. As your pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do to serve, to offer your support and your financial giving into the life of RBC. Seriously, we are a blessed church. We really are, and we are a generous church. It's why one of our values is grateful and generous, not just because it's completely aspirational, but because it is actual, and we are that. And so I do really just want to say thank you, thank you. And thank you because your generous giving to God supports his work and his ministry here at RBC. All the way from Kidsmen, all the way to, to, um, to, Thursday, uh, to Tuesdays and to our senior ministries and everything in between. You know, I'm so excited, Mike, to share that, you know, Bella, uh, well, I don't know if you, he did share, but Bella is being baptised uh, next week. I don't think we let the name out. I just did then, okay. Um, but she's getting baptised next week. What's wonderful, do you know, I think about that. Bella was born here, if I'm right, um, in this, what was that? Well, in a hospital. She wasn't just born in the row there, at least. But she was born in this, like, she was born in this church when Elise and Rick were here and were part of it. And now she's kind of gone through children's men. She's um, gone on, she's been a leader, she's gone through youth and, and all sorts. And now she's making a profound decision of faith to trust Jesus. You know, and all of that, it doesn't, that sort of thing, that sort of story doesn't just happen. There's a multitude of other ones. The 84-year-old who was baptised in the, in the pool you know, last, uh, last year. Those sort of things don't just happen. They happen because you and I, we actually give and it goes towards turning lights on, to seeing instruments, to seeing drum skins changed. I know they need to be changed. They haven't been changed for a while, so we need to change those. There's all sorts of other things that it goes towards. It goes towards seeing lives changed. And so I just want to say thank you for um, all of that. And I, I do really want to celebrate that. And I know financial statements and budgets aren't the most riveting read in the world for many of us. But as a church family, it is important that we know how we're tracking together. And so I've, after the last six months of the year, up until December, so from like July through December, just to let you know that we are behind the budget that we uh, adopted as a church at our June members meeting last year by 12% which is around about $60,000. So this is, a, this is a challenge and an opportunity for us. It's a challenge and an opportunity. It's a challenge because we recognise that our current financial climate in Australia is even making our own family budgets tricky. 
all right, and managing those. We appreciate that. And let me just say, partially, if there are people here and you find that that is the case for you, then please reach out. We have um, um, ministries like Enrich Life that we can actually assist you and your family to help get back on track, okay? So please, if that is you, please let us know. But it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to partner and participate in God's mission in our community. You see, God's ministry and mission here depends on our generosity as a family. It does. And do you know what? This is a good thing for us. It's a good thing for us. It's good for us to know that our church needs us. It's good for us to know that uh, our church needs us to participate financially. It's good for us to know that we have a responsibility and it's good for us to know that, we, that our giving here helps to see lives changed. And so I do want to just encourage us around this. In Philippians 4.19, we read these words. It says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And so I do want to encourage us that this is the God that we serve. We serve one who is a God who can provide for what we need. He can provide for your family budget and he can provide for us as a church. The second thing I want to do is call us to prayer. I just want to call us to prayer and I encourage each of us to lift RBC to God in prayer and to ask for his provision and to take time in your family, take time in your life group, take time in your ministry, your serving groups, and just to pray, and to pray that God would provide for what we need and for the deficit that is there. And also, as we pray, and as you pray, pray for our church, yes, but pray for yourself and for your family, and seek him about your giving this year and how he might be calling you to be able to partner with him in seeing, um, in, in giving this year and with this deficit. And maybe, maybe too, and I know this, this is the case, maybe that you've been here for a little while with us, but you haven't yet begun your giving journey here at RBC. And maybe it'd be great to take a chance for you just to seek God and to pray and ask him how it is and when it is that he's calling you to be able to partner financially in the work here at RBC. And let me just say this. As a church, just to be clear, so it's really clear, as a church, we are not, and Mike alluded to this in his prayer around our giving today, we are not on about equal giving, okay, as a church. We won't all give the same. But here's what matters to us the most, and I want you to hear this above everything. What matters to us most is not equal giving, but equal devotion, okay? Equal devotion, all right? Because that is what matters most. We won't all give the same, but what we can all do is we can all be equally devoted to God in prayer. We can all be equally devoted to him in our relationship with him and we can give from a place of delight, from devotion and sacrifice. And so that's just my you know, a little family chat around our our giving and our finances uh, for us uh, today. I'm not going to say anything uh, more uh, on that, but I just think at the start of the year, it's just a good way just to be able to let everyone know where where we're at. So I'm just going to take a moment. I want to pray for our look as we look forward and then for our uh, our continued giving as as a church as well. So let me just do that. Jesus, we thank you that, uh, that, your, that your word says where, there, where there's no vision, the people perish. 
And so, Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to us all and that uh, we have this strategic roadmap before us that we've all been part of, that we've all contributed to, whether in, uh, in word or whether just in prayer. And so, just so grateful for that. And Lord, would you continue to outwork that uh, in and across the life of RBC, we pray, so that we can continue to be a church that is everything that you call us to be. And Lord, we thank you for your continued provision for us as a church. We thank you for your generosity towards us. And Lord, I'm so grateful for each and every person who calls RBC home and who supports the work and the ministry here. And so, Lord, I pray that we would continually just look to you, that we would be a people of prayer and we would look forward to how it is that you are going to meet the needs that we have as your people and that in faith we would see you move. And so that's our heart, that we would just be a church that continues to see you move in our giving, but, Lord, that sees you move in seeing lives change for your glory and for the good of those around us. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that is the longest intro into a sermon that you will ever, ever hear. And so I am going to have to get moving so that we can get out of here on time because kids' ministry is back and I don't have that same flex. And so let's start getting into it, Dan. All right, so uh, on the screen is our, our theme that we're sensing for this year. Uh, and it's one that's not so much uh, for that we'll preach to this every week. This is something that we will do that and all of our preachers and our life group leaders and everyone, we're going to help to understand this idea. But this is something that is for you and for you and your walk with people that you know as well. So this is about trying to continue to look at making disciples that multiply. This is a key skill and a key uh, habit that we can learn as followers of Jesus as we seek to make disciples that multiply. And it's this idea of kairos. Now, in the, in the Greek, there are two words that get translated uh, into the English word time, okay, in Greek. The first one is this. It's actually chronos, okay? And chronos uh, is um, it's where we get the English word chronology, right? It kind of speaks of sequential time, okay? Like uh, that right now it is 10.37, all right? It's all about minutes and hours, okay? That is chronos time, or when the Bible uses that Greek word, it gets translated into the English word time, that's what it is referring uh, to. And much of our thinking today is all about this chronos mindset, right? We've got 24 hours in a day, we've got 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, yet how often do we say things like, Dan's running out of time, or we're short of time, well done, we're needing more time. Okay, that's the type of time that chronos uh, is uh, referring to. The second word, though, that is translated as time, uh, the second Greek word for time is the word kairos. And kairos is not about minutes, like a sequential line of time. It is about a moment. So kairos is not about minutes, but it's about a moment. And to help us understand Kairos, there's a key passage in the scripture that we need to look at and it's found in Mark chapter 1, verses 15. 
Kairos is a key word used to describe Jesus' ministry and it's found here. Let's have a look at this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he says this, he says, The time, not Kronos, Kairos, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Kairos refers to a moment, not a chronological minute, where the kingdom of God breaks into our lives, breaks into your life. Kairos is a moment and an encounter, an event where God's kingdom is breaking into your life, where it is within reach. Kairos moments are an invitation for you to acknowledge God as king in your life and moments where God wants to speak with you and lead you into a new way and lead you into a new way. And so a Kairos moment are opportunities for growth in our discipleship to Jesus. They are opportunities to see spiritual breakthroughs in our lives if we'll respond to them with repentance and faith. You see, recognising God's voice and moving forward in obedience is critical for followers of Jesus. Recognising a Kairos moment, recognising when God is speaking into our lives, into our family's life, into our church life, recognising when the kingdom of God is coming near to our lives and then responding in faith is critical for us this year as disciples of Jesus. And that's why in Mark 1, Jesus goes on and he says to repent and believe. He says, repent and believe. Now, let's look at that first one, repent. Repentance often gets uh, a bad rap. But do you know repentance is actually good for us? you know repentance is good for us? Repentance, yes, does mean a turning from sin, okay? When, it, when any of us trusted Jesus for the first time, we turned from our old way and we re, there's a sense of repentance. We uh, now turn into a new way and is to follow, uh, to follow Jesus. But the gospel, the good news, as Jesus is saying here, is for Christians too. Repentance is to be a lifestyle, not just a one-off. And so repentance really means to change our thinking, to change our mind and to go in a different direction. Once we acknowledge that repentance is meant to save us and is good for us, do you know what? We can actually look forward to engaging with it. You see, here's the thing. Repentance is actually a gift. Repentance is a gift for you and I. It's actually an invitation. It's not a threat. Okay, when we read that word, repent and believe, see it as an invitation, not as a threat, but an invitation for God to do something in our lives. Sure, it might be painful to have God put his finger on the ugliness in our, of our hearts and our lives, but ultimately this is for our good and so it is a gift for us and an invitation for us to go in a new way that will be good for you, for your family and for us collectively. You see, God wants to do a deeper work in our hearts and the fact that the Lord cleanses us from all unrighteousness, heals all of our wounds, binds up our challenges, smashes our ego and our pride, 
It's crazy for us not to accept an invitation like that. That is a gift in our life. If God wants to put his finger on some areas of ugliness in our lives. And so when we recognise a kairos moment, when we recognise that God is looking to break into our life, and let me just say, I'll talk about this in a moment, kairos moments can be large or small, negative or positive, but when God is looking to break into our lives in a kairos moment, a great question to ask around this idea of repentance is this, what is God trying to say to me? What is God saying to me? When you think God is looking to break into your life, ask that question. What is God saying to me? Kairos moments give us the opportunity to stop and to ask, is this a place where Jesus wants to speak to me or lead me in a new way? All right. Jesus then goes on and says, repent and believe. A change of mind must come first. But then here's the deal. Changing your mind must go more than just changing your mind. Changing requires a movement and it requires obedience. Learning something new isn't faith. We have to act out on our new beliefs. We have to move forward in obedience. And when the scripture uses this word believe in any way, belief in scripture is always this. It's to act as if something is true. So we don't just give mental assent. That's not belief. Believing is to act as if something is true. Let me, let me just explain how this will work. Let me just grab this. So here we are. Um, is a chair. I can believe that this chair can hold me. Okay? I can look at this chair and I can say, well, it's got two legs. Um, they're all together. It looks strong. I can kind of put a bit of my weight on here. Ian and Jan are sitting down there. Um, so I can see that this chair looks like it could hold me. I can believe that it holds me. In Scripture, that's not belief. Belief in Scripture, I am only now believing that this chair can hold me now when I sit down on the chair. Now I am believing that this chair can hold me. Can you see the difference between a, a mental assent or a belief in that way compared to a mental compared to an action where you're actually believing that that chair can hold me? And so when it comes to living as a follower of Jesus, we need to live in a way that understands what God is saying, but then we do something about it. So we ask ourselves the question, what am I going to do about it? One of the most convicting quotes that I've heard from anyone, probably ever, is John Maxwell, and he says this. If you go to the next slide, he says this. He says, most Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience. Let that just sink in for a moment. Most Christians, we could say it for us, most of us here are educated way beyond our level of obedience. See, a disciple of Jesus is one that can recognise kairos moments in our lives, can ask the question, what is God saying? And not just leave it there, but believe. What am I going to do about it? 
If you, can, if you this year, if you can recognise Kairos moments in your life and you can respond to them in faith, oh, I don't know, it's going to be amazing what God's going to do in your life and what he is going to open up for you. It'll be incredible what he'll open up for your family and for us as a church. And if you can help somebody else to recognise a Kairos moment in their life or in their family and help them to respond in repentance and faith, do you know, that's where, that's the, that, that's the, the nub of discipleship right there. Is listening, hearing the voice of God and then responding in obedience. Now, there are so many places that I could go in scripture and talk about this, but they happen, as I said, in big and in small moments. You think of when Jesus called the disciples in Mark chapter 1, 17 and 18, a couple of verses later. What do we see? We actually see them change their whole vocation, right? They were, they were fishermen, then all of a sudden they have a kairos moment and they go on and they become fishers of people. That's a big vocational change. I remember in my mid-twenties, I was managing bowling centres. I had an opportunity to, near, you know, in the coming months and years, I probably could have gone on if I was still managing bowling centres and become a regional manager across WA and SA. But one day when I was out just serving customers and spraying smelly shoes, God spoke to me and he said, now's the time to get into ministry. It was, I haven't realised it until I've had some language around this, that that was a kairos moment for me. It was a kairos moment for me where God's kingdom broke into my life. I understood what is God saying to me and then I responded in faith and obedience. Kairos moments can be big like that, like vocational change, right? But kairos moments can also be in the small everyday moments of life. Actually, that's even where the big ones happen when you're even just spraying smelly shoes. Kairos moments happen every day, but they can be big or small. They can happen when God is wanting to put his finger or um, challenge us around our character, our habits or our way of life. Take, for instance, James and John in the Bible, okay? The brothers, sons of thunder, right? They were known for, um, for, for their self-centeredness in a way. They're arguing, all right? They're speaking to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, uh, when we get into the kingdom of heaven, can one of us sit on your left? Can one of us sit on your right? Like, talk about, talk about that. Then, all of a sudden, the disciples hear about it, the other disciples hear about it, and it's a mess. Like The other disciples are so annoyed. The word in the scriptures is they are indignant towards this. Jesus has to then step in. (laughs) He has to step in and try to calm the farm on all of this. And have a look at what he says. This is what he says. He says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He goes on. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was just an everyday moment. There's an argument going on, but it was a kairos moment, I believe, for James and for John, and particularly for John. Did you know that when Jesus finds himself at the foot of the cross, who did Jesus entrust his mother to? He entrusted his mother 
to John. John was at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother, serving her and caring for her. Historians believe this. Historians believe that eventually Mary died in Ephesus and John served her and cared for her until the end of her life. Here was an everyday moment where it was a kairos moment for John. And he went from someone who was self-serving to someone who served Jesus' mother Mary. Talk about a change of character. He repented. He believed. And then in John's Gospel, you know, many of the other Gospel writers, they, they say who's, who's writing it. John doesn't. John describes himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how John describes himself. That's not an arrogant thing. That's someone who recognised over his life that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about John. It was all about what God was doing in his life through the person of Jesus. And it was all about Jesus and his love. And you know what I reckon? I reckon it was because of that Kairos moment, that time, that argument, and that conversation that saw a change in John's character and in his life. Kairos moments happen in everyday places. Think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. It happened at his home. His Kairos moment at his home. What about blind Bartimaeus? His Kairos moment happened on a roadside. They happen in everyday places. And here's the thing. God wants to do something in your life this year. And he'll do it through Kairos moments. But here's the challenge for us, is that you and I, we live in a fast-paced world. And sometimes we can be so focused on chronos time, so focused on just getting through the day, getting our tasks done, getting things finished, that we don't have the, the eyes to see a Kairos moment. And so here's my challenge for us as a church, and it's this. Next slide, Jack. May we not get caught up in the minutes that we miss the moments this year where God wants to speak in our lives. May we not be racing through life that we miss the moments when God's kingdom wants to break into our lives, into our families and into our church. Would you stand with me today? Because my heart this year is that we will learn to hear and obey the voice of Jesus and that we would make disciples like he did. That you and I would learn to recognise and respond to Kairos moments. But not just that. That we would learn and help other people to recognise and respond to Kairos moments in their lives by repenting, changing our mind. The invitation, it's a gift. It's a gift. And then believing. What is God calling me to do about it? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the moments of every day that you speak to us. 
And Lord, it is my prayer at the start of this year as we think about all that is ahead for us collectively but individually, Lord, that we would be a people and that each person here, Lord, would be able to recognise and to hear the voice of God and to recognise the, the kingdom of God breaking into their life. And Lord, that they would be able to ask what is it that you are saying to them in that moment. And then Lord, not just to give mental assent to what you're calling them to do or who to be, but Lord, that we would act in faith and belief and that we would do what it is that you are calling us to do. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that this idea, this language, this of Kairos would be something, Lord, that would, would come in and be in our spirits, Lord, I pray. And Lord, that we would be a people who not only recognise and respond ourselves, but that we would help other people. And as we do, Lord, oh, I look forward to all the gifts that you are going to open up here in this place. I look forward to the ways that you are going to work in families in new ways, for the spiritual breakthroughs that you're going to see in lives and in families and in our church, Lord, as we seek to hear from heaven and to respond in obedience. Lord, may it not be said of us that we are educated beyond our level of obedience. Lord, I pray that that gap would be a whole lot closer in our lives, I pray. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the Hub online at the Hub .rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.